Leviticus 15 podcast, where you'll receive Bible study tools and tips in just 15 minutes. Hey there, welcome to the Focus 15 podcast. I am your co-host, Katie Orr, here with my husband, Dr. Chris Orr. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Uh, We're so glad that you've joined us. This is Episode 8 of Season 3 of the Focus 15 Podcast. We have one little uh, announcement, one big announcement, not a little announcement, one big announcement is that our study, our study, we've written a study together, Focus 15 Bible Study. So many of you out there um, have hopefully done one of my Focus 15 Bible Studies, the Everyday Series, and now we have a brand new series coming out in which Chris and I have co-written, and these are going to be through books of the Bible. So our very first one is through Philippians, and it comes out January 22nd, 2018, and we're very, very excited. You can pre-order today. In fact, I just looked on Amazon this morning and noticed that it's been slash 29% off. We would love for you to pre-order. That blesses us so much. Okay, well, now let's dive into our episode. Today, we're going to talk about errors. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Like Myers? <laughs> no. How long you got? <laughs> no. We're going to ask the question, is the Bible really error-free? You've probably thought this, even if you've never vocalized it. So are seminarians going to take first crack at it? Does the Bible actually teach that the Bible is error-free? Yeah, so that's, I think, a good starting point. Because anytime you're talking about um, a, a doctrine of the Bible— I think it's a good place to, to start by saying, well, does the Bible actually teach mm-hmm. this doctrine? Because one thing we don't want to do is teach something the Bible doesn't teach, kind of overstep our bounds. Um, but in this case, I think, yes, not only is the Bible error-free, but the Bible teaches this. So you can look at places, there's all sorts of scripture that I think point us in this direction. But I think a couple of the most uh, prominent ones would be 2 Timothy 3, verses 16, 17, and then I would add to that the the next four verses as well. So really, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 2 Timothy 4, verse 4. And so as you look at that passage, what it says is that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for retraining in righteousness. I think I got them all out of order. But anyway, <laughs> that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so when, when Scripture says all Scripture is breathed out by God, that's an umbrella way of describing all of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So as we read the Bible, what we're seeing is we're seeing the very God-breathed Word that He intended us, mm-hmm. intended for us to see. Yeah. And I did a little bit of work on this for my doctoral project, and so I don't want to bore you with the uh, with some of the the details. But no, es- but essentially, <laughs> you know, there are people, there are Christians who reject mm-hmm. that interpretation of Second Timothy three. But really, to do that, you have to play some gymnastics with the rules of grammar, and uh, and so I think that uh, that as you f- read that in Scripture, what you see is that. It's telling us that we can trust Scripture, and one of the reasons I think that it that, that particular passage leads to that translation is if um, all you do is look at verses uh, 16 and 17 in chapter 3, you might say, okay, well, I could see a way around this, but when you add in the next four verses, chapter mm-hmm. 4, verses 1 through 4, Paul's telling Timothy, 
preach the word. He said, there's coming a time mm-hmm. when people are not going to want to listen to it, mm-hmm. so preach the word. And so before he tells Timothy to preach the word, he's saying, look, the word is trustworthy, mm-hmm. therefore you can preach it. And so if Paul was wanting to tell Timothy that the word is trustworthy, why would he start out by saying only some of the word is trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that reason, I think 2 Timothy three sixteen through 4, verse 4 is one of the classic passages that I would turn to to point somebody to, to the, the teaching that Scripture does really teach that it is free from error. I think of other verses like Proverbs 30, verse 5, which mm-hmm. says every, every word of God proves true. Mm-hmm. And so since we can know that the Bible is God's word, we know that, that God's character is such that he would not teach us things in Scripture. He wouldn't allow things in Scripture that, that weren't true or that, mm-hmm. were, that were full of errors. So I think, yes, the Bible does teach this. Yeah. I think it's important, like I said to begin with, that you probably have thought this before, but maybe never admitted it or articulated it. Or maybe you grew up in a church where where that was taught, where it was taught that the Bible has errors. Yeah, well, and that's what I was going to bring up. For those of you that are maybe would never say that because you feel like, well, everybody thinks that. Not everybody thinks that. And so if you are one that feels like, well, of course, yes, that the answer to that question is, yes, the Bible is really error-free, and maybe you're... I don't know, naive, I guess. And that's kind of how I grew up. I I, I thought, well, sure, everybody thinks that, you know. Um, But really not studying it much for myself. It was just, I just believed it, you know. And then as I started studying myself and as I started interacting with other people that are like, well, I don't know about that, you know, Mm -hmm. it really took me for a loop because I wasn't ready to defend the Bible because I just assumed everybody believed the way that I did. Yeah, I took it for granted. And so that's a big reason why um, we're here for both. You know, we're here if you're just kind of like, I'm not sure. You know, I've read some things. I'm I'm just not sure what to believe. We hope to be a a resource for that. But then for those of you that are like, well, oh, yeah, of course, this is a yes, most definitely. It's helpful to realize that not everybody. And, you know, depending on where you go to church, you you may want to start asking some questions because I I know of some people that, you know, go to church and then they realize, oh, wait a second, my pastor doesn't believe the same things that I do. So this is so critical. This is like— so critical that you that you get this right in in your own mind, but also know how to back it up. So I hope you guys are out there taking notes and well, yeah. and all that. And I'd also say that this where you fall on this question um, and and your answer to this question, if it doesn't match the teaching of your church, doesn't match the teaching of your pastor, you're going to have some very fundamental mm-hmm. disagreements with that church or with your pastor. And so I think that's an even more important reason why we should take this question mm-hmm. seriously is because really it helps to answer so many other questions. If we're not on the same page with this, yeah. we're going to be arguing a lot and not really having much in common. Right. And so that's why I think working this is from a different base. one of the, yeah. the more important questions that we will answer this season. Yeah. So all right, what else we got? Okay, so we've answered yes. The Bible really does teach that the Bible, is, the, the Bible claims itself to be error-free. But there are some passages that come up. And so, are those errors? Okay, so are there, are you asking <laughs> are there, if there are errors Are there scripture? errors there? Because okay, there so are some is, people that do believe there's errors, so right. there's got to be a reason why they would think that, right? Yeah. Yeah, is that what you're about to say? <laughs> no, you just kept jumping in on it. you got to ask sorry. the question and just let it ride. Just let me answer it. Let it, it ride. Um, so, the uh, that's a different question than does the Bible teach it. So, I think both of these questions are very important. One, does the Bible teach it? that it's error-free, mm-hmm. and two, are there errors? Because if there are errors, and yet the Bible it teaches us that there aren't errors, then that would put us in a pretty big bind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so here's the, here's the way I would answer this question. Are there errors? 
No, there's not. So very simply, no, I don't believe there's errors in Scripture. Now, there are some passages where you read them and you're like, wait a second, that seems Mm -hmm. like an error. Mm -hmm. Most of these are going to fall into a couple different categories. So one would be like a a quotation. So you read something in one of the Gospels, and it seems to be a different quotation than in one of the other Gospels. Mm -hmm. And if you are somebody who is like a journalism major, you would would read it and be like, ah, they got the quotation wrong, therefore the Bible Mm -hmm. is in error. And I would say that in most cases, what you see is Jesus said, I'm sure he said things more than once, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. if you're going to teach things, you don't just say it once and be like, ah, now it's, now everybody got, everybody's mm-hmm. got it. So in many cases, it could very well be that the, that the authors are quoting different teaching sessions where he's teaching the same concept, but he says it a little different way. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to note that when the authors of scripture were writing down and recording um, what they were writing, that they didn't have tape recorders, and so they were yeah. they were capturing the they were capturing the quotation as best as they could. But to say that a a loose quotation means that there's an error, uh, I think is mm-hmm. importing a a a version of precision that not only was not available back then, but also was just it wasn't on their just wasn't on their radar. They something. weren't they were, live tweeting things. Yeah, exactly. With exact recall. Yeah, but even yeah. if they were live tweeting, you would expect some. Mm-hmm. You know some variation, yeah. but uh, but but the bottom line is so there's a lot of times where those those loose quotations are what people would point to as saying, you know, the Bible is is error is in error here, and I would I would disagree that mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that that loose quotation um, is in fact an instance of error. I think another time that where people would point to an error is when the Bible describes something that. Um, it describes it in a true way, mm-hmm. but an unscientific way. Mm-hmm. And so when you read things like the Psalms, and they talk about the sun rising, and somebody would say, ha-ha, the, uh, the Bible's in error because the sun doesn't actually rise, mm-hmm. the, um, the earth rotates mm-hmm. you know, around the sun, and therefore the sun comes, appears on the horizon, but it's not actually rising, therefore Scripture is wrong. Well, keep in mind that the Bible is not teaching us biology. So the Bible is not intended to be a scientific textbook. What it is, it's it's attempting to describe an event. So when you look at the at the horizon and you see the sun come up, is the sun is the sun coming up in in that case where the Bible is describing a sunrise, yes, the the sun did come up. It didn't come up and then zigzag around, you mm-hmm. know, and then go back and then go back down. Well, they were the same just describing horizon. it the way that they, they describing knew it how. the way they saw yeah. it. They didn't know, the and it was a faithful it. account right. as to what actually happened. And mm-hmm. so, I think sometimes people will look at scripture and be like, "Oh, because it didn't include all of the scientific nuance that we we now mm-hmm. take for granted, then it, then it would be inaccurate." And I think that that too is is unfair. Um, especially because the the events that are reported, we don't have any reason to believe that they that that's not how they happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's what I would: some people that that have really dug into this and 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 are trying to prove the point that uh, that there are errors. And the point they'll have websites that point to specific places where you say they they compare different texts that kind of report in, in in very different ways, and they say, okay, so here's a clear error. Mm-hmm. Well, most of those passages, I believe, have very easy answer, very simple Mm -hmm. answers to them once you understand the context and once you understand what's really going on. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that we keep in mind is that the number of of those instances is extremely small. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking like a handful in the whole Bible. Um, And so, it's not that that we don't understand that those things are there. It's just that we don't believe that those are errors. We just don't think that maybe we, we have all the right 
you know, all the information needed mm-hmm. to make a judgment on it. It would kind of be like when you hear a riddle. When you hear a riddle, the whole point of a riddle is to is to give you seemingly con- contradictory information until you get the solution, and then the solution makes like, oh, makes sense yeah. of all the information. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I think happens when you get to these passages that some would claim are Bible errors, mm-hmm. is it, it's a bunch of information that if you jump off too soon and jump to a conclusion, you would say, okay, well, here's an error. When I would say, no, I think you need to stick it out and, and be more open-minded about it. And what you'll see is that that usually will have an answer. There will be a, a, an answer to the riddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened to me. I mean, several times, but one that sticks out to me was I mean, it was a long time ago, like when I was in college and I was studying old kings, chronicles, that type of thing, and I started listing out all of the kings of of Israel, and Judah and marking their time and 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 all of that. And as I was comparing them, the the years didn't match. You know, like it would say that so and so you know, started reigning at this date and they reigned for 50 years. And then so-and-so reign, started his reign at this date and they ran for 20 years. And when I was charting it all out, like they were all overlapping. And so it was, I was stunned. I was just like, uh, I don't know. It was literally like 10 years later and I was reading a commentary and it talked about how kings, fathers and sons often would reign at the same time. So the, the father might be in reign, and then, you know, 20 years into his reign, his son will come, and they will co-reign together. So I was coming at that passage with an understanding of, well, one, one king comes up, and then when he's done, the next king comes up. And so that's just one example where I was confused, but I just thought, well, it, it can be an error, so there must be an explanation. And 10 years later, I got that explanation. So. That's right. Just just hang in there. Yeah, hang in there. So, okay, what happens if we reject this teaching? We've been talking a lot about this is so important for us to hold fast to this idea that the Bible is error-free, but what if we were to let go Okay. So here's probably one of the the biggest reasons um, that's not a scriptural reason. So the other two, I believe, are scriptural reasons. One, the Bible teaches it, therefore I believe it. Two, I don't see I don't see errors in Scripture in the places where people uh, have claimed that there's errors. I I disagree with them. But when you're talking about non biblical answers, here's what I would point to: um, kind of an argument from reason. So what happens if you reject? the teaching that the Bible is free from errors. Well, if you reject it, then what what will happen is that you have cut the moorings from the dock. And so, you know, mooring is just the rope that holds the boat close to the dock. Once you cut that rope off of the dock, anytime the wind blows, it's either going to smash the boat into the dock or it's going to push you out to sea. And what keeps us close to the historic Christian faith is our belief in God's Word. Mm -hmm. That's what holds us close to it. And once we cut the idea that the Bible is error-free or the the idea of inerrancy, once we cut that away and reject that, there's nothing holding us close to the historic faith. And what you see is time and time again that there's institutions like Christian universities and colleges or seminaries or organizations that have cut that dock and they've cut that mooring and they never stay close to the dock. They always drift out Mm -hmm. away from Christian uh, orthodoxy or Christian historic faith, and they always drift towards the wisdom of the world. And so, when we lose that idea that the Bible is error-free and we start to question the authority of the Bible, um, that puts us in a really dangerous position. Historically, that's that's verified time and time again. Uh, but I think the, the real question here is this. 
is that who is the ultimate source of, of truth in your life or what is the, the ultimate source of truth in your life? And if you're somebody who rejects the idea that the Bible is error-free, then what you're saying is that somebody else has to be that authority because Scripture can't be it because mm-hmm. it, it contains error. Therefore, you can't trust it. So that puts either you or somebody else, another person – in the position where they are the final judge of what's true and what's not true. And I think anytime we um, put ourselves uh, looking down on Scripture and saying, I am going to decide what Scripture is true and what Scripture is not true, it's a very dangerous position because at that point you can make Scripture say whatever you want mm-hmm. to say. And anytime it disagrees with you, you'd be like, well, that's just mm-hmm. part of the ones that's not true. Just mark it out with the a hot, marker, with a, like a Sharpie. Isn't that what Ben highlight, Franklin used to do? Highlight it with a Sharpie. Oh, I think it was Jefferson. Thomas, Jefferson would, Thomas cut, Jefferson. he would cut out all the supernatural stuff out of Scripture. Yeah. So, um, but the the safest place you can possibly be is with the Word in authority over you. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way that we try to read Scripture is if there's ever a point where what we think and what we feel is um, different than what Scripture says, Scripture's right, I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I need to adjust it. Mm-hmm. That's... Um, Submission. Kind of our that is our uh, way of mm-hmm. of seeing scripture, and we think that that's borne out and taught in scripture mm-hmm. um, for all of those reasons. It's just really dangerous. You get into dangerous waters when you start to reject or question the the authority of scripture, um, and uh, and so that's why we we believe that the Bible not only is error free, but that it's a it's a great place to be in in. in holding to the historic Christian mm-hmm. faith with our brothers and sisters in Christ going all the way back to the first century who mm-hmm. uh, who believed this teaching and who held this to be true and really and who, and some of who whom died for this belief. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of the just in, kind of in closing, I think a lot of this really stems back not only to our view of the Bible but our view of God. And if we believe that God is powerful and that he really did inspire this every word of the Bible and that he has a good plan for us and that you know, on and on and on, all these things that we know to be true about God, that He's a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God, all these things. And when we come to things in Scripture that we kind of go, eh, I'm not so sure about that. Do I really want, you know, I think we tend to want to go, well, yes, God said that I shouldn't do that, but He didn't understand what I'm going through right now. You know, we it goes back to our view that God's Word is best because it's what God has willed for us as best, and it will be our joy. It will be. It will bring us the greatest pleasure. It will bring us the fullest life. It will bring us, you know, fill in the blank. These things that we're wanting, God's best for us is put out in His Word. And so, as we hold to God's Word being error-free and God's character as being good and wise and all-knowing and all-powerful, they they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And so, anyway, thank you all for listening to us, and we will be back next week with another episode. So you guys have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed these tips, share it with a friend. To learn more about Chris and Katie and the Focused 15 ministry, go to Focused15.com. Have a great week.